Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Minute with Mark. So I am right outside of my barber shop, and I told the barber as soon as he's done with his next haircut that I'm outside in this Escalade, parked directly in front, and he can just wave me in. So he said it would be about 10 minutes. So instead of killing 10 minutes, I am killing this podcast. So hopefully we'll get through uh, enough to make this worthwhile. So we'll cut straight into it. One thing is, again, most of our listeners, you... Um, are in leadership roles, whether it's executive roles, whether you're over teams in your corporation or company, or you own your company. And one idea I got from the I Love Marketing podcast with Joe Polish, I forgot who the guest was, but he talked about team meetings, that there's different structures you can do it. And one, he talked about kind of like the quarterback team huddle before a play. And that's kind of the team meeting of preference for me. So when we rally everybody together, it's more just like imagine you got 20 seconds on the play clock, everyone comes together and you just start disseminating, okay, here, you do this, you do that, go there, here's the play, break, go and go out to the marketplace. So Monday mornings, our team meets and it's more of a huddle concept. So toy with the idea versus doing a meeting for meeting's sake or having these long, derated, crazy theoretical meetings with there's times for that we do a team huddle where it's almost everybody gets you know okay you do this you do that you do this you do that you do this you do that um let's get rolling but before we do that team huddle our meetings are about 30 minutes and we should probably call them huddles because most of us are sports minded guys anyway but um, before we did that we did a quick ultra reading where the great thing about our crew is it, it started off, I was actually on a walk, so Matt started the meeting and said, okay, everybody just grab a business book or a personal development book or whatever, a mindset book that's next to you. Ultra read it for two minutes, which is just you burn through two minutes of information in that book and then you share for one minute. So we have about five people. Two minutes takes two total minutes. Each person shares for about a minute with a little bit of commentary. So that initial share is about 15, 20 minutes, but it's a variety of topics. And so in the time I may have, although that kid that was just getting the haircut just walked out, he's put it, he just put on his sports coat. He's looking fine and ready to kill the day. I have a feeling I'm going to get called in real quick here. But anyway, um, Jaden read, so here's, I'm going to share really quick a handful of what uh, people from the staff said, oh, look, it, it's over. All right, I got to go. I'll be back. I'm going to just pause this. I'll be back. All right, so I am back feeling like a new man. Um, it's an old school barber. It's great. They do the straight edge shave. They trim your eyebrows with the clipper a little. I mean, it's just like straight out of the 19-somethings, Sinatra style. Anyway, so here's where I think we'll take this because we just released – uh, the huddle action into our community, a private Facebook group in um, online, and it's really taking off and doing everything I thought it would do, and the in, inertia has been unleashed. So stick tight to this podcast because I'm going to outline um, really a key on how to do minimum, maximum, get the maximum value, maximum action, maximum leverage from the minimum amount of energy, spend, drama, complication, logistics. You're always looking for the, the minimum maximum. What's the minimum amount of logistical work to get the maximum amount of whatever the result is you're looking for? Well, anyway, we'll get to that in just a minute. But real quick, so Jaden, when he shared after his ultra read, so he read How to Think Like uh, Leonardo da Vinci, 
And the idea that we do is in, our, in the minute share, we give a like a 30, 45 second synopsis of what we read in those two minutes and then another 30 seconds or so on how we can practically apply that into our life and business in real time right now. So you're really kind of fishing for immediate action, not theory, not philosophy, anything like that. So uh, we'll just go through that real quick and then I'll get to the minimum maximum and what we decided to kind of do in our huddle. So Jaden read how to think like a like Leonardo da Vinci, da Vinci, da Vinci, da Vinci. And he talked about finding anti-role models. And I've been doing this thing for years. I believe in it hardcore. And you're basically looking at, it's like Jim Rohn used to say in the old days, um, it's a shame losers don't give seminars because you could just come and say, don't do this stuff I did. I, this is what I did and it got me nowhere. It got me broke, ruined my relationships, ruined my reputation because it's a shame they don't do seminars. But anyway, so the... The real um, takeaway is in your life that you could look at for anti-role models is who is in your industry that utterly failed and why? And just ask yourself whatever industry you're in, who do you know or what business or what chain or what whatever was in your industry and utterly failed and why did they fail? And try to find something that's very tangible that you know well enough. And if you're in a, if you want to get rich in a niche, which is the fastest way to wealth, is usually picking a niche, hammering down deep and tenacious niche reading, um, not generic broad reading. But if you're in real estate, everything, you know, not everything, but versus reading um, books on generic success and how to do well and this and that, you would be better served to read. You know, how agent, this Keller Williams agent closed $60 million in real estate in one year and drill into that. Listen to podcasts on how to close homes, how to host open houses, how to generate leads, how to get more clients, how to get more referrals in real estate and really drive in specifically niche industry. Whatever your industry is, whatever your profession is, niche reading is the secret hack. It's the secret gateway to rocking because most people in your industry truly believe and they they it's not their fault i mean it's not necessarily arrogance or ignorance it's just inside of them um just getting a paycheck and kind of getting by and whatever is good enough so the competition at the top 10 percent is way less than you think because most people just they had a little training in whatever they're doing and they're just kind of winging it and it's way easy to supersede those guys with niche reading. So in our industry, we, you know, we've targeted, I'm going to just leave the victims that we targeted aside, but there was a particular company that uh, really rose to dominance and failed bitterly. And they, they got legal problems. They had total fallout. They had cultural problems. They had all this stuff. And while that was going on, um, actually two different companies that I could, highlight, I would point to the team and I'd say, do you see this right now? This is not the end of the story. This company is going to disappear. It's going to go into shambles. It's going to have legal issues. It's going to everything that, and it was just obvious because I've been around a few years now and there's certain obvious things. So we study that and say, let's not do that. Let's do the opposite. They led with this. We're going to lead different. They did that. We're going to do that different. What did they do well? They did bring a lot of energy and they did bring a lot of marketing and they did challenge their 
Salesforce to get and be aggressive? What can we take? What can we lose? But the anti-hero role model is is a wonderful thing. Jaden brought that up. Stapes shared, he was reading the charisma myth, I think. And what he was talking about was that a certain group of employees at a company associated the leadership, meaning the president and the managers and stuff, they associated the leaders negatively, meaning the staff would look at the staff looked up to the leadership with a negative view because the leaders always brought forward problems for them to solve, which is um, can be wearing, and a lot of it depends on how you do it. So what the charisma myth, or the I'm not sure exactly the title, that Stapes was saying was to you start meetings on a positive note before you go to problems. And I think that's a that's a good thing. So how I'd structure that in meetings, and I took the liberty at that moment to compliment everybody on the meeting and said, hey, well, speaking of positive, and it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it was funny. So the danger in this, though, is if you start positive and then go to problems, or you start positive and then go to critique, um, and then you end up back positive, people will start associ- associating positive with correction. And they actually will, once they start hearing good stuff, they're like, oh, crap, bad stuff's coming. So you got to be careful with sandwiching, uh, you know, correction in the middle of two compliments because uh, very soon your subordinates or your team or your affiliates, they'll catch on that you're just, it's a ploy and it's a technique to really get to the criticism. So what I've done over the years is when I have positive, I go straight positive, I start positive, I middle positive, I end positive, and I leave positive, and I don't touch anything but positive. Then when there's a problem, I go into the problem, I dig into the problem, it's the problem before, it's the problem in the middle, it's the problem at the end with proposed solutions. So whatever whatever works in your leadership style, take that. Tyler was reading a book on tax deductions, and this is really big, and you know we're in the middle of kind of a tax season rush right now as during the recording of this, and he was talking about finding deductions like extra fees that he was... Um, that he didn't think of that were actually deductions once he was reading this book. And then I shared with the crew that, and this could be a word for for many of you, is that just like anything, you can outgrow your accountant. You can outgrow your tax pro. When I first started business, I went to Liberty Tax Service, and for 55 bucks, they did my taxes. Okay, that's where I started eight, eight years ago. Then I started to make a little bit more money. I busted out a cigar, took all my receipts, did my own taxes, submitted them to H&R Block for a couple hundred bucks. Boom, that was that. Then I had another tax accountant, and he was just kind of a, he was okay. You know, he was in the industry, kind of knew his stuff, but he was kind of just sloppy. I wouldn't say he was shady, but he was just, he wasn't a master by any means, and I outgrew him after a year. And then I went to our current accountants who are really great. I've referred a bunch of people to them. Um, but again, there was a threshold where I realized that I have, I had now outgrown. I, I, the last thing you want to be with your tax account is the biggest uh, account. You don't want to be the biggest, you know, the biggest um, animal in their zoo. You don't want to be the top account. You don't, you don't want to be that. I would suggest, maybe you do want to be that, but I would suggest you go. So we, we up-leveled into accountants where, you know, they're dealing with people with two to $500 million businesses and above. We just went and upgraded. So now we're moving to just to a whole new level of tax, um, tax council and tax insight. And so for some of you, it's time to move beyond mom's reference, mom's buddy who does taxes. You know, you're, because what happens is your entire team is going to set the frame and the environment and the mindset 
for and the expectation and just kind of the energy around your business, your entire team, your vendors, your suppliers, your sales staff, your accountants, your even your doctors, your all that stuff. You you are forming a team and you formed a team and a lot of us don't think of them as a team but your accountant if you come to them and they're like wow you made a lot of money this year um it's chew on this idea you go to accountant and they go um they go not a bad year you know 20 percent up congratulations and they might be able to give you they're just around bigger people they think bigger and they might just make off-the-cuff comments that grow you just there being surrounded in their way, being surrounded in their mentality, it grows you. So you might be time to level up your tax accountant game and don't be scared to hire somebody who's just little, maybe even a, a, a leap ahead of you. I remember when I was getting my corporation, um, my tax accountant, and again, this is the deal with a tax accountant. I said, you know, I think I'm going to get an escort. And he goes, oh, you don't need an S-Corp because they're not really that useful until you earn over $250,000. And I had only earned like $50,000 that year. And do you see the difference? If I would have hired up, he would have said, well, of course you're get a of course you going to earn $250,000. You get an S-Corp. Do you see the difference? Okay, I'm going to move on. So that was a Tyler share. And yada, yada. Matt was talking about first impressions or everything. Landon was talking about reading a book called The Art of Not Giving an F, you know, like the full word, the F word, which I say on this podcast, but I'm just not in the mood to say right now. And uh, the title got me just kind of opened my eyes and I forgot what the purpose of that was. But it's a pretty hot book, apparently, out there in the world. And I think the idea behind it, I forgot the takeaway because I wrote down the title and was just kind of awestruck by the title and I don't think I got beyond it. But the idea is, you know, so many times we let other who are they my mom would say because I would say things like um, well they might tease me or uh, they'll judge me if I do this or this or that about they and my mom even as a kid we're talking like fourth grade she'd go who are they and I'd say you know no she goes no name they name them name them by name and I named one person I named a mother of one of my friends and she goes Julie you're going to let Julie and what she thinks get in the way of this idea. And she, my mom was great at mocking me as a child. And I think it helped me a lot. So thanks mom. All right. So anyway, um, real quick on this minimum maximum in this campaign that we came away from with a huddle. And I think the takeaway is you're listening to this. It might be worth taking a few notes. I don't have a structure. I'm going on literally just, I opened my laptop and by the way, technology, we record with something called ScreenFlow. And we use it with Max. And Camtasia is also very popular. But I hear of Camtasia crashing recording. And so I just flip this open. I use the inbuilt laptop mic. I have one of the newest. I don't have the newest laptop with Apple. But uh, they become obsolete in 10 months anyway. So it's irrelevant. I'm just using an Apple mic right off the thing here. And I do that because I want to create more content quickly. And then we have ScreenFlow on. I just hit ScreenFlow. Once it saves it or once I click save... It automatically uploads to Dropbox, which is some kind of file sharing service that Jaden just sets up on my computer. And I really don't know how any of the witchcraft works. But the next thing you know, it turns into this podcast. So a couple little tool bits and pieces there. But here's the campaign. And like I said, you're probably not taking notes. You're probably working out or taking a walk or 
uh, tidying up or on background noise as you're working on your projects. But just kind of lodge this in your mental, make a mental note of some of these things with the offer. So here was a short story. Whatever behavior your culture rewards, it usually gets more of. So whatever it rewards, it usually gets more of. So you would think, well, reward sales. Okay, that like at the most basic level, you'd say, well, reward and incentivize and celebrate and encourage sales. Well, there is some truth to that for sure. Um, here's the only catch. Most people are not sales machines. So if your culture is reward sales only, which is what most unsophisticated, unthought through cultures do, is they reward sales only. Pretty soon, only a few people are rewarded inside that culture. When that happens and only a few people take the spotlight, resentment or hero worship, one or the other, they're both pathetic and neither of them really, I think, are beneficial, um, will take place. So I thought, what, what's a deeper way to think about a behavior to reward? What do we want our team and our affiliates doing? So this is primarily our affiliates and our customers. And what we want them doing is placing direct response ads, particularly for this campaign on Facebook. And so I thought, what is an easy, winnable thing that can get a high, partition rate, high participation rate that can wake more people up to direct response marketing on Facebook? Because right now, if you have a business, you have a storefront, you have a business, you have a website, um, welcome to hundreds of other thousands of businesses and websites and storefronts. It's promotions and campaigns and rallies and referrals. It's strategies on marketing that cause those doors to burst open, that cause buyers to buy. That, And so I really want our clients and I want our affiliates placing ads and learning direct response marketing. And I wanted it to be a winnable thing. So here's what we did. We looked, um, at first I was going to say, well, what if we did a competition and gave away a bunch of pair of Nikes, which we've done. Nikes are a hundred bucks each. Um, we give, we give away Nikes semi-regularly in our, in my cultures because everybody likes new shoes. It just, it kind of works. And the perceived value is far higher than the hundred dollars because I could send them a hundred dollars on PayPal. That's one thing. But when you get a new pair of shoes, you're putting those on almost every day and you're feeling good. People notice them, and so they're they're on the top of your mind. They're literally on your body. They're very on the daily imagery, and they're just it's a much better neurological link than a hundred dollars that goes generically into a bank account that then goes to pay a credit card or some other utilitarian thing that's worthless. So I like Nikes. I recommend Nikes or non-cash prizes. Nikes are great great stuff because of their daily use. Anyway, so I threw out Nikes again. Tyler Tashiro being really sharp says, Mark, is there some other, you know, versus a hundred, is there a better, what else could we do or give or incentivize to get better results and not have to fork out so much money and have more people win? So we have another live event coming up at the Venetian in Vegas. And this is a new one. We just did a last event at Venetian. We're doing it again because the Venetian's just a really epic environment and people love Vegas and yada, yada. So tickets go on sale next week. And, you know, it can be up to $249 for a ticket. Now, here's the thing. That money is just really to pay for the coffee and the M&Ms and the brownies and the snacks. And that's just to pay for back of the room, just 
I'm not, I don't make, I don't seek to make money at my events. It's not my model. I just seek to get the room there. Okay. Because we make money before the events and after the events. So I don't like people getting into a room and then feeling pressure cooker to drop 20 grand on some offer that I have. Anyway, um, these tickets release next week. And so we started thinking, I was like, well, what the hell? Why don't we give away 15 free tickets? And here's how you, here's how you get it. And I'll actually probably end up giving away 25 because already the response, I can tell you the response right now. I'm going to log in real quick. Car has Wi-Fi. It's so great. Um, right now, so here's the offer. Starting today's Monday, time I'm recording this, starting from Wednesday to Wednesday, it's a seven-day period. So the, comp, the tournament starts in two days, and the tournament consists of this. And there was one post written by Landon Stewart, and he did a fantastic job. Landon, I appreciate it. And here's what it was to the affiliate base and to the customer base. For your business, your online business, spend $30 on Facebook pay-per-click ads. They can be story ads, they can be video ads, they can be promoted posts. $30 of ad spend and five new unique leads, meaning a stranger or whatever's online, they see your ad, they click on it, they look at your little capture page, they enter their email to get more information. So $30, five leads. It's an average of $7 per lead, but you have to spend a minimum of 30. So someone can spend 50 to get five leads and 10 bucks a lead. Um, a, an advanced marketer on Facebook can get a lead probably for 80 cents to a buck 50, depending on the market, depending on the offer, depending on the purpose. It's a very relative number, but, but anyway, so it was $30 and five leads. And I say, if you post in the comment, in the thread below, and you show on your Facebook account from Wednesday to Wednesday, you've spent at least $30, and you've generated at least five leads. Now, here's the key to this. We call it a tournament instead of a competition because people love tournaments. Many people are scared of competitions. Competitions, most people do not win. They have not won in their life. They are not used to being... Um, given the first place prize, they're not used to getting the MVP. And here's the thing. In a tournament, though, people, I've, I've, we've tested this out and we've realized that tournament language, inter-team tournament language, has a lighter, funner, more freeing sense of participation, whereas a competition seems, it just seems heavier and more stressful and we get less participation. So we call it an inter-team tournament. Also, the people that do get MVPs, they do. They're used to winning. They're used to winning at everything. Those people activate just as intensely on a tournament word as they do a competition word. So our net of influence increases by the simple twist of calling something from a competition to a tournament. So that's called wordsmithing. So think about how you can wordsmith and massage certain terms that carry negative meanings. Anyway, moving on. So on this post, what we say is, the first 15 people to post in the comments below, after you post, I'm in. So right now, if you read this post and you want to participate, comment, I'm in below. Now, right now, and then we said we're looking for at least 25 people to say that I'm in. Now, according to real-time data, this thing was posted exactly. I'm not going to read it or anything. It was posted 55 minutes ago. Our total group right now is 540. 46 members. It's and people pay at least two grand to be in this group. We have one, two, three, four. These are people that said, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So we have 20 after 55 minutes. Our goal was 25. Well, I know we can get 50, so why didn't I say our goal was 50? Because I want the community to win. So we lower the threshold. Now follow, I'm teaching you gamif gamification mechanics right now. You pick a low number that's still meaningful enough for people to go like, wow, we're winning as a culture. We're exceeding expectations. We're a part of a group that exceeds expectations. The best part as a leader is you get to set expectations. You get to drive culture. You get to lead culture. It is in your hand to make or break. And had I went and said, I think we can get 100 on this. And how I plan on doing that is if this keeps trending like it will by the end of the night. I'm going to say, you know what? Forget the 15 free tickets. I'm going to go to 30 free tickets. The thing is, I'd like 25 more participants to pony up. So rally somebody that you know in here, nudge somebody else and say, hey, let's get serious with Facebook this week. Okay. And I, but you see, I'm giving myself margin to win. And when it, when more people win, you're creating a winning culture. Now, deeper than that, $30, $7 a lead, $5, five leads min minimum. That's not very much. In fact, many experienced online markers would look at that and say, is this a joke? Like, what a joke. Here's the thing. We want people, because um, I was just reading about exposure therapy with fear. So here's a short story, and this is a direct application of something I just read this weekend. So when you're reading, also when you're reading in your niche, or you're reading practically, or you're reading broadly, I read pretty broadly, I'm going to grab a drink of water here. Hang on one second. When you read broadly, there's a tendency where reading can default into just a pleasure hobby. And if it's a pleasure hobby, that's okay. There's a time to just read. Like, there's stuff I just read for pleasure. Like, there's no... I'm not necessarily looking for an end application. But I was reading The American Scientific Mind, and I'm actually looking for how to apply the most cutting-edge psychology into our cultures. And so this particular newer article in a recent um, article was talking about um, exposure therapy and what they've discovered on breaking... Um, phobias. And so, you know, you got arachnophobia, you got the fear of spiders. Well, we have Facebook phobia all over the place. We have direct responsoring, direct instant response marketing phobia. And when some, if someone doesn't, a business owner doesn't break their phobia of actively crusading campaigns, they're going to stay perpetually in a situation of under-optimized neutered potential. They're not going to be anywhere near their potential. They're not going to, every dream they have doesn't have the legs it needs to get them to, like so many things go bad if they have a phobia of marketing, if they're scared of their content being exposed and having somebody, you know, anonymous, an anonymous Facebook person comment on their ad, you're a loser and you're ugly. If they, if they have phobias on that stuff, that's what actually holds them back. And you know, un unfortunately, it disqualifies them for all of the dreams they've ever wanted. They're just going to have to settle in this industry as an online marketer if you're not going to embrace selling and embrace it as a holy, sanctified, beautiful, elevated activity. So anyway, I'm reading about spiders, I'm reading about snakes. And what the old theory was, was that if, you, if you're scared of snakes... Exposure therapy is, okay, you go to a place and they put snakes around you and then uh, you have a snake crawling and you're somewhat hyperventilating, but you know, you make it through the 10 minutes and all of a sudden the snake doesn't kill you and 
you're slightly traumatized and you walk away and you're better with snakes. Okay? That's that's the theory. Well, the thing is, the success rate of that, although it, there was, you know, evidence of phobias being broken with that, they, I think, increased success rates by like 60%. And you can study this stuff on your own, but I think they, they, did, they beat it by 60% by slightly tweaking the exposure therapy concept, which is what I am now doing in our culture. And here's what, here's, here's the concept. If they expose you to the snake for 10 minutes and it was slightly traumatizing, all of a sudden the weight of your memory of a positive, non-violent, non-heinous experience with a snake one time doesn't have enough mental rewiring power to rewire you from the fear and the built-up fear of years and years of fear. It doesn't have enough power to unscare you with one exposure. So what they say is if you were to do the exposure for 10 minutes, wait 10 minutes, do another 10 minutes, wait 10 minutes, do another 10 minutes, wait 10 minutes, do another 10 minutes, wait 30 minutes, do another 10 minutes, wait another little bit, bring in a different snake, expose again. Multiple exposures in a short duration of time increased the phobia breaking by by an enormous um, I think it was 64% more success rate. So I immediately think to myself, how can we apply this into people being more courageous with their business? Because if you're an entrepreneur and you're crazy enough to be an entrepreneur, you're not, I would, I would argue you're not even choosing to be an entrepreneur. We like to think we're choosing to be entrepreneurs. I would probably liken it to you are an entrepreneur and you are just like a bird is flying south. You're pursuing entrepreneurship. You can't help it. You're not going to ever stop it. And so just it's a recognition event that, holy shit, I'm an entrepreneur. Wow, my dad's not. Wow, my brother's not. Wow, my best friends aren't. I am. Now, what causes a lot of strain and anxiety and brings a lot of unnecessary bad reps to entrepreneurs that don't understand that they just are entrepreneurs is when they think everyone should be an entrepreneur. That's not even remotely the case. Most people are not entrepreneurs. Probably less than 10% are genetically designed to be an entrepreneur. But anyway, um, these the people in our cultures are entrepreneurs. They're obsessive entrepreneurs. They will fail themselves to death or achieve and they won't stop and they'll be screwing around with entrepreneurship till their end of days unless they figure out instant response marketing, um, funnels, good customer service, longevity secrets, all sorts of things they got to get in place. Well, anyway, how does this tie in with exposure therapy? We did this same competition a month or so ago and we had a huge surge. We had, I think it was 30 some people participate, $30 a spend five leads. And we had a bunch of people who said, I've been thinking of trying a Facebook ad for, you know, four years. I'm not shitting you five years. And I've just never done it. But this little competition with a free pair of Nikes actually got me to do it. Okay. So we've heard that. So one other thing, when you're setting up a game, you have to set up a culture where winning can be as much of paint, paint by numbers connect the dots as possible. So if we just left what I explained to you, spend 30 bucks. We'll just pretend right now who you are, wherever you are with all your, with all your existing knowledge. If you're not an internet marketer and I said, okay, here's the deal. Spend $30, get at least five leads 
and I'll give you a trip to the Caribbean. If you're not set up to win, you would first go, I have no freaking idea. You would have to start pop poking around and then who would you trust and how would you know where to place the ad and like how what's appropriate to target audiences and what is our target audience mean even. So you have to set your people up to win. So in the post, we, we gave a two-day lapse for anticipation and revving up and I'll do another video tomorrow to rev into it. And what Lannon said is if you haven't done Facebook marketing before or you've just dipped your toes in, we have two short refresher trainings that tell you how to get an ad up in 10 minutes, that tell you where to form it, follow through, here's the training here, here's the training here. So refresh with these and then have at it. You have to set your people up to win or they will be exasperated. And even though they deeply desire the result, if you don't give them the playbook, if you don't give them the secret code, if you don't give them the toolkit, if you don't give them the Swiss Army knife that has the solutions to get them out of the problems, they're going to lose and it's your fault. It's not theirs. Most people will not be have enough ingenuity and follow through and determination and willpower to win. Very few people have willpower. This is just something to acknowledge. It's not something to, I mean, look around, okay? If, if everybody had willpower, we'd all have six-pack abs, and most of us would be ridiculously prosperous. Because anybody, especially if you're listening to my voice, you have had moments, snapshots, where you've seen your potential. You've had snapshots where you, if, where you somehow... And it's not even you're in a conversation with yourself. You might be listening to somebody in that vision, that snapshot of who you could become. If you turn the switch on, if you turn the switch on, if you found and located your energy, if you located your will, if you could just light up, you know what you could achieve physically. You know what you could achieve financially. You know what you could achieve in content creation, in a message, in a business. You've seen that. What gets in the way is willpower. Willpower. And the more we can do to shore up willpower. So what did we do? In this, we gave a very, very low willpower threshold. Hey, all it is is spend 30 bucks over seven days and get five leads. With our trainings and with our teachings, that is... Um, I think I'm going to have Isaac actually do it, my son, now that I'm thinking about it, just to prove the point, which I've actually thrown my kids in our products before to demonstrate that my kids can go click by click and get results. And so I've done that before. But anyway, I might do it again. But it, so here's the point. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going way too long. Anyway, here's the point. By saying here's the trainings, and the trainings are point by point, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Here's how to place the money. Here's how to do this. Here's how to do that. And we've incensed. So the willpower on how to figure it out is nothing at all. Imagine that. The, the burden, the creative burden of coming up with a brilliant strategy and an original idea. There's no burden there. So there's no willpower spend. It's just the willpower to watch the video. The willpower to want to watch the video. Well, what have we done there to increase and waken and activate our people's willpower. What we did was we threw a free ticket in front of them. We also threw the prestige of being one of the first 15. So we're appealing to leadership desires. We're appealing to self-actualization, which are all our 
buyers are into self-actualization, personal development. They like leadership. They believe in the concept. And so what we're doing in this strategy is awakening willpower by throwing an incentive in front of them, but also giving them a, a, a paint-by-numbers path to achieve a very simple victory. And inside that victory, the reward is bigger than the expense of the effort to watch the video, spend the 30 bucks, because most people can make three grand in a single sale as one of our affiliates, or they make a thousand in a sale. And if they have their own business, they make whatever they make on their own sale. Okay. Minute with Mark. That's a wrap.